What is that dream that you've always wanted to do as a kid? For our guest artist, Sandy Alnock, it is teaching art. What started as a no led her to shift gears to use her gifts to touch millions of lives all around the globe through card making. Her passion to teach and to inspire others to create led her to pursue a life aligned with that purpose. In the first half of this episode, Sandy shares about reverse engineering art process to realize motivation, quick wins in art, creating a system that will foster creativity in parallel with your daily chores, how to move past old wounds and pursue your passion, overcoming fear of a blank paper, and actionable steps to get you started in art. If you want to be part of the conversation, then send in your questions and topics you want us to cover to hello at etcherlab.com. What better way to celebrate the love month than writing love letters? Yes, you got it right. This love month, we are celebrating with our community by reading your art love letters here on the podcast. So in the spirit of love and sharing, head on over to etcherlab.com slash artloveletter and submit your messages to your favorite artist. We are so excited and can't wait to read all of them. This week's art love letter for Nina Quirrell came from Lena. She wrote, Dear Nina, thank you for teaching us plants and florals. I enjoyed your tutorial and wish you continued success in the future. Happy Valentine's Day. Best wishes, Lena. Thank you, Lena. I'm sure Nina loved every word of your letter. So keep those entries coming and we'll read them up here on the podcast. Hey, this is Jessie from Etcher. We believe in your power to create, so we invited artists from all around the globe to inspire you to keep on creating. Join us in this journey and let's celebrate creativity. This is Make More Art, the podcast. Well, you can ask my mom about all the drawings that I did on the walls <laughs> okay. when I was little. I was drawing on everything. <laughs> I was that kid who didn't do her. Okay. I was a kid who didn't do her homework because I had a sketchbook on my lap. In, with my book behind it. So people thought I was doing my homework and I was actually drawing. So I've always been a creative kid. I have scrapbooks of all the garbage my mom saved from my, my childhood, all the Mother's Day and Father's Day cards. Uh-huh. It's fun to look back and see all those, those things I made when I was little. And I went to college to get an art degree. I was going to get a teaching degree. But it was at the time when in my country, they were starting to cut budgets. So they told me, "Uh, teaching's maybe not the best place to get a job Mm -hmm. because there weren't going to be many art teacher jobs. So I went into graphic design. So I had a long career as a graphic designer doing a lot of computer art and some illustration. And eventually I got to the point where I wanted to do something else. So I got back into making art in the evening, which turned into card making. I was making reading cards because it was something small that I could do and get done Mm -hmm. in an evening. And I didn't really have to get out everything I owned in order to make a massive project. (laughs) It was just something I could get done. And I was on a message board and just chatting with other people who did the same thing. And a soldier who was deployed in Iraq messaged back and said, Hey, if you've got extra cards, we've got people over here who would like to use them. We'd like Mm -hmm. to write home on them. So I got together a bunch of friends and I said, Hey, let's send them a box of cards. And people started pouring in all these extra cards they made. And I sent her a box and then I had enough for two boxes. So I had to find another soldier. 
And then she wanted another box a couple of months later. So we had to get more. And it was just this thing that turned into eventually a charity. And we made millions of cards that went around the world to deployed soldiers, which was great. Yeah, And it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun to make a charity out of something that I was just enjoying Mm -hmm. as a hobby. Mm -hmm. And eventually it just got to be too big. I couldn't do that and a day job at the same time. So I quit my job to do that full time until then they brought a lot of the soldiers home and we had too many cards and not enough soldiers. So I had to close the charity. Mm -hmm. But during that whole time, I started teaching. I started teaching people how to color the stamps and how to draw things, how to paint things, because it was clear by the stuff that was being sent in, there was a need for that. And I discovered that childhood dream of being an art teacher was coming true. And it, it wasn't something I deliberately did. It just happened because of the charity. So I continued doing that. I teach on YouTube. I have my own teaching site where I work in all the mediums because I got used to doing that when I was making the cards. Mm -hmm. So I teach in watercolor and colored pencil and markers and alcohol inks, all different kinds of things Mm -hmm. just to try to get more people engaged in making art of whatever kind that they enjoy making. Love, love, love that story. Especially when about the charity. I think it all started when you were really young and you were making these cards. So as you get older, you know, that love for for making cards is there. And then people start seeing the value. I love, you know, handwritten cards or letters being received, right? And I love sending them too. So knowing that you have affected, impacted lives of people from all over, you said millions, right? And these are all handmade. That's the, that's really the, you know, the the best part of that. It's, it's handmade and people are reading those cards sent by people, by other people, their loved ones or friends from all around the globe. Now, you did mention that they were all made out of different, using different media. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that? I'm just curious because normally when you're starting to make art, right? Either they will advise you, no, just pick one first and test it out and see if that's something that you really enjoy making. But with you, you were using different uh, mediums. I was using different ones because all the people who were sending cards to me were mm-hmm. using different mediums. Oh, and yeah. I felt the need to try to learn them so I could give them advice. They would ask, mm. how do you watercolor? I'm like, I don't know. I don't watercolor. So I had to learn to watercolor oh, so wow. I could give them some tips. Uh-huh. So it was a little reverse engineering on my journey. But one of the things that caused for me was realizing that I am more motivated when I can just pick from a variety of mediums. Mm. When I get up and get in the studio now, I can choose whether I want to work in pencil that day or do I want to work in markers? Do I want to just draw something? Do I want to make an object? Do I want to make a card? Or do I want to work in a sketchbook? Mm-hmm. Just, I have so many options open to me. And for most people, I would recommend pick one and start. Okay. You yeah. know, <laughs> just start doing something because you can get overwhelmed with how yeah. much stuff you have to get mm-hmm. in order to start. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you want to get into watercolor, you need the paints, you need the paper, you need the brushes, you need all the things. And if you're not sure you want to get into it, it might not be a good investment of your time and money to do that. Right. Maybe start with pencils because you can just get paper and pencils and, and have enough to get started with. 
Mm-hmm. But there are some people who just like to buy all the things. And if they want to buy all the things, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to each its own, right? Um, <laughs> just going a few steps back, I remember you mentioned in your story that you've always wanted to be an art teacher. But then there were like between budget cuts. And the, so someone told you that oh, maybe in art, teaching art may not be the best idea or, you know, type of job that you would want to pursue and so you shifted right but that dream was has always been in your heart to teach art so during the time that you weren't teaching were you also were you still creating I was working as a graphic designer so I was creating in that way but Mm -hmm. it wasn't just making art for the sake of art Um, Mm -hmm. it was It was for companies that I was doing marketing for, Mm -hmm. and I worked for several different charities. So, you know, a lot of that had a good cause behind it, but I came home from work so exhausted that I just didn't have it in me to do anything for a long time. So Mm -hmm. I would just veg out on the couch and do nothing. There was a long time that I didn't do very much because I at least had some kind of creative outlet at work. Mm -mm. And it wasn't until I realized, oh, I could make just a card. I could... I could do something that just takes an hour. That's when I realized that I could do it and not exhaust myself because right. for a lot of people, when I, I talked about all the supplies, the supplies and everything, getting it all out and having a space to work mm-hmm. in, all of that can be really overwhelming. And it, it yeah. was for me mm-hmm. until I realized I could just do a small something. So whether you want to do you know, making, making greeting cards that have a function to them, or if you just want to work in a sketchbook, that's mm-hmm. another way to simplify things so that even yeah. if you have a full day of doing whatever, going to work, taking the kids to soccer games and all those other things you need to do, even just a small sketchbook, something you can do in a half hour, 15 minutes every day can keep you creative. Even if your day, your life during the day doesn't allow for that. Thanks, thanks for sharing that, Sandy. One other question that I have in relation to what you just said is some people are so scared, right? And if you, you were talking about this offline earlier, but people are so scared of a piece of paper. And that's because they have this mindset that you have to be somehow good or knows a little bit about art in order to get started making art. What is your take on that, being someone who would like to empower people to create art? I believe that everybody is creative, that we're, we all have that within us, but at some point in our lives, somebody told us, no, right. Somebody said, you can't do it. Or somebody said, that's ugly. Or I don't know what that is. I had somebody once, you know, when I tell people I'm an artist, the first thing I often get is, oh, I used to do that back in the blah, blah, blah. And they'll tell me about something that happened at school. I had someone who told me, that they had done a piece of artwork in one of their classes and they had taped it to the bulletin board Mm -hmm. in the classroom and it fell down and the teacher walked past it and stepped over it as she was walking across the room. Mm. And that person was hurt by that so deeply that they never made art again because they thought she was saying your art is terrible. Instead, she was probably being a teacher and trying to get to some other kid, trying to keep them from stabbing themselves with scissors. I mean, who knows what was (laughs) going on, Mm -hmm. but that person was wounded by one thing that one person did that may not have even meant anything, but we take those things in 
internally. Mm-hmm. And we tell ourselves, well, I can't draw. I can't do this. I can't paint. I can't whatever. Mm-hmm. And as long as you keep telling yourself that you'll never be able to. So one of the things I try to do is give people very small, actionable things they can do. Okay. You know, here's how to draw a rabbit in five steps. Like, can Mm -hmm. we get you to draw a rabbit? Just take one piece of paper and use that as the gateway to get people excited about making something. And I'm hoping that that is, is going to resonate with more people and that they'll start to see themselves differently than they might have and get over some of the old wounds that told them yeah. they can't do it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I believe, you, you. I mean, we've been in that situation one way or another that we would hear someone say, oh, yeah, I used to draw. I, I know some friends who used really good back in grade school. You can really draw. And then you'd be surprised if they just stopped doing that. And probably because, yeah, like what you said, someone told them that no, or someone, it could be, it's a, Sometimes it could be a family member or even a parent who would say, there's no money in art or that's not something that you should be pursuing. It should just be a hobby, right? But even if it's something as a hobby, if something that that lets you up and brings you joy, then you should definitely go back and do it again. Now, um, so I really love that. And I hope that what you just said and share it, Sandy, will resonate to anyone who's listening to this episode because I know, like what you said, everyone is creative. And uh, I really hope that with those actionable steps that you just mentioned, people will be inspired to get started making art. So speaking of those actionable steps, and this is a common question that we would get for when someone would like to start drawing, is that what specific subject should I start with? Is it a tree, a flower? Definitely not a face, but what would you be, what would you recommend? Because <laughs> I think as a kid, what I would start to draw would be, you know, normally it's like sticks, right? Or a flower or a tree. That's, those are the two common things that people are clouds, maybe. But what would you recommend as a starting point? I would recommend whatever they're excited about. Oh, okay. Because if you don't like trees, it's not going to help you to try to draw a tree because you're not into trees. Mm-hmm. There are some things that are going to be really simple. There's going to be some things that'll be complex. And if you just Google, you can find all kinds of tutorials on the web for drawing anything that you want. If you're someone who wants to learn to draw faces, there are simple tutorials for how to draw a face. Mm-hmm. It might not be something that you'll, <clears throat> excuse me, take to right away, but it also might be something that you'll realize is a lot easier than you think it is. But I would say whatever it is you're interested in, it's the same advice that I give when people say, well, what color should I buy? Yeah. And I'm going to start a new medium. What, what color should I get? And what I tell them is get the colors you would use to make the things you want to make. If you paint, if you want to paint flowers, buy colors that are good for flowers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, you know, it, it sounds really simple, mm-hmm. but you don't need everything in order to get started. You can just start simply with, with one thing. If you want to paint trees, if that's really what you want, buy greens, Greens and some browns, and you'll be able to work on trees. <laughs> and true. just take that initial step to get started. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times it is that, what do I draw? What do I do? What do I use? Which color do I pick? And people freeze. And yes. they, they, they panic mm-hmm. because they're worried they're going to do it wrong. Right. And the one thing to remember is 
you can't do it wrong. The one thing you can do is take a step. And if you take a step, that's going to lead to another step, which is going to lead to another step. It's why they call it a journey. Mm. You're going from point A to point Z and going back through the alphabet again and again. You're never going to get to the end of the journey. You're always going to keep learning. I've just been learning things this week. I have been blowing my own mind (laughs) with trying mediums on different papers and realizing, oh my goodness, I could use this on that. There's always something new to learn. So if you get to the point where you're frozen because you're worried you can't draw that tree or that Mm. flower, do it every day for a while and you'll start to see progress from that first flower into the 10th flower and in the 20th flower. That's where you'll start motivating yourself as you see your own progress. But if you don't do it on a regular basis, you won't make progress. It's like going to the gym. You go to the gym once a month, Mm -hmm. you'll never see progress. And you'll be like, well, why am I not losing weight? (laughs) But if you go to the gym several times a week, or you go to the gym every day, you'll see progress faster. And it's the same thing with anything you want to learn. So try whatever it is and try it for 10 days in a row and see if that helps you to realize that you can learn, you can actually grow in doing something. Beautiful. And those are really great golden nuggets from you on how to get started. Because you're absolutely right. You know, the blank piece of paper. I remember when I was starting out, it's like, oh my, what am I going to paint? And it's like, I will freeze and I would look at it for probably a good 10, 15 minutes. And what am I going to paint? That's always a question or what, what color is, what subject should I start with? Now, just going back quickly to that charity and the cards, I would imagine different cards and different type of art, different mediums. Where do you draw inspiration? I'm just curious because we're talking about millions of cards. So how, how do you, where do you get inspiration and how do you approach a card? By the way, I guess that's another question that I would like to ask. Well, with cards, you can start with the person who you're going to give the card to. You can start with what the holiday is, the season that you're giving it, like Valentine's Day is coming up. You can start with what colors inspire you that day. Mm-hmm. All different kinds of things can give you that, that beginning. You can go to Instagram or YouTube and follow endless rabbit trails mm-hmm. of inspiration yeah. and find all kinds of ideas. But you can also just sit down and start making There's a lot of people that think they have to copy someone else's idea in order to make something and they freeze and panic. And my, my advice is just push through it. I know it's hard to just say, push through it and, and think, well, how do I do that? Yeah. Well, start putting a mark on the paper. If the paper is white and blank, it's going to be intimidating. So stepping past that white blank thing, you just get something on the paper, whether you're using a rubber stamp or whether you're going to use a drawing or just a swash of paint and just get it started. Sometimes that initial motion and watching color move can be the inspiration that gets the next step going and the next step going. That's a really great tip, especially the splashing of colors. Sometimes it's, it's therapeutic at the same time. It's, it looks so magical watching, especially when you're using watercolor and, you know, seeing the the colors blend in with water and just let it go, whichever. It's an unpredictable medium. So those are really great 
tips, uh, Sandy, that you mentioned. And I hope that pe- anyone who's listening would really pick up on that because that's really a good starting point. The blank paper is really intimidating. Uh, you're not alone in that when you think that, oh, I don't know how to start. But with those actionable steps that just Sandy mentioned about those, like putting a a mark on the paper, a splash of colors, and to just do whatever. It's art. I mean, no one can tell you that it's, a, it's bad art or it's ugly. It's you who would actually see the beauty in the, the work that you're creating. So thank you for that, Sandy. Now, let's just go back quickly um, again to the time that you were making cards. I know that, so with a charity and you've been surrounded with people from church as well. And I, I mentioned this because in your mission statement, in your in your website and in your bio and, and Instagram is that you really want to inspire people using your God-given gifts. Where did that innate, desire to share what you have learned all these years um, in art come from? Was that an influence of how you see people struggling to venture into art? Or was that a particular experience that led you to that? Much of that comes from what I talked about earlier. When I see people who, who have wounds from whatever caused them not to make art or mm-hmm that something that tore them down. Yeah. And that's not the way we were built. We were built not to reflect back on the past and all those things that have hurt us, but to move forward and share the gifts that we have. And I know people have gifts that they don't even understand. They don't even know that they could do something. I've talked to so many of my students who started out with just stamps and they started making cards and they colored in the stamps and they were, they were pleased with that. And then I taught them how to draw a scene behind the stamp, give the bear a forest to stand in. And then they learned, Oh, I could do that on a blank piece of paper. Really? I could do that. And now I have students who have gone so far beyond they're starting to work in mediums. I haven't even taught them. They just, just took a rocket ship and went right past where I've already had classes going. And it's so exciting to watch that growth and know that so many people have that capacity and yet they tell themselves they can't. And I hope that through my journey, through the artwork that I share, through the classes that I teach, that people will realize that they can do so much more than they ever thought they could Mm -hmm. because you were built to make. You were built to create. God is a creator and he made us to create things as well. So every step you take toward that journey of being an artist is going to help you grow as a person. You're going to find yourself willing to try other things outside of art as well. When you realize, oh, oh, I could do that. I might be a beginner at that, but I could do that. Maybe I could do this. Mm. Maybe I could climb a mountain. Maybe you've, you've always wanted to do that. Yeah. And once you start that art journey and realize there's possibilities that you haven't even entertained, there's other things in your life that you can really step into. And I love watching that journey in other people. I get so excited when I see that, that spark of creativity light. And that was just the first half of my interview with Sandy. It is so inspiring to listen to her story and learn from the lessons she shared during this interview. 
Broad indeed may look different for each of us, but adapting a mindset of moving forward and letting go of past wounds will help us discover the path leading to our purpose. How has art helped you in your pursuit for growth and passion? We would love to know. Do share with us your comments through the blog post associated with this podcast at etrolab.com slash sandy. Want to know what goes behind the scenes here at Etcher? We heard ya. We are lifting the curtain and giving you VIP access to do just that. Get to know who does what here at Etcher Lab. So joining me for the Etcher Team Spotlight is Kimberly Elpides, or Kim for short. She is also a dog mom, similar to Justin. It looks like a lot of people from Etcher are dog lovers. I am too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing to highlight about Kim is she just started with Etcher about a month ago. Pretty interesting. So please welcome to Make More Art, the podcast, Kim. Hi, Kim. Hi. Hello. So um, my name is Kim, and I just started January 17th. <laughs> Yeah, and I do have a dog. Uh, it's a common theme among us. Like, I feel like three of us have dogs in the team. Yeah. Yeah. And you are a content officer. So tell me about mm-hmm. your job, your role. I, I have an idea because I interviewed Justin, but I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. you're doing something different as a content mm-hmm. officer. Yeah. My job is mostly graphics. So I handle some of the marketing stuff. So if you've seen... Um, some of the um Valentine's game yes. in Instagram. Yeah, I work closely with Patricia, who's a marketing officer, and those are her ideas, but I have to execute those. So I do the graphics, sometimes a bit of, um, I animate a bit. Yeah, also another thing that I do, I also edit um, some of the classes, not as much as Justin. So just some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mostly graphic. I do most of the graphic. So yours is particularly on our Instagram? Yeah, um, on Etcher Studio in- Instagram. If you okay. check out the stories or if there's a new class, if there uh, the announcements for new classes, mm-hmm. I do the graphics for those. Oh, okay. Pretty cool. Because those are the... the- the ads and the the announcement notifications that our audience, our students, would normally see if there is a new class. So that one is pretty important because yeah. that is how they get to learn about the upcoming classes and any details about the time and who will who will be the artist teaching for that specific mm-hmm. class. You so you also do some edits for our classes for a workshop. Yes. Some, but not as much as the others, probably because I'm new. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've worked on some for the past uh, few weeks. Okay. I'm, I'm actually working on one right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Now, uh, prior to joining Etcher, were you doing the same graphic design, animation, mm-hmm. and video editing? Um, actually, in my previous job, I was also a graphic designer. I was a junior graphic designer. And wow. most of my clients were also from the U.S., Ah, okay. Yeah, so I've done my fair share of designing for social media, a lot of print. Mm. So like brochures and stuff. Um, Yeah, but here in Etcher, it's mostly for social media. So one month with Etcher, how has the experience been? 
Okay, so actually, everyone's been super friendly, so easy mm-hmm. to talk to. Like, I, especially the content team, it also helps that we, some of us already know each other from, yeah. from you know, attending the same school and stuff. And yeah, easy to talk to, fun people. So, so far, my stay with Etcher is, has been really great because of the working environment. Everyone's super friendly. And it helps with um, the workload, I guess. If, you know, if everyone's having fun, then yeah. workload isn't so heavy. You, you look forward to um, talking to them next day and then start starting your work. Yeah, I have, <laughs> I have to agree about the fun part. I think that's what makes working um, at Etcher really different from the usual, like, 9 to 5 mm-hmm. job because... There's the the fun factor and the, the people are so, like what you said, so friendly and very easy to work with. And the fun part is something that we also would want our audience or our, our students to experience. And your role as a content officer adds into that because yeah. you make all these fun designs and you know, so that it's it's pleasing to the eye and people can mm-hmm. be curious. So Tell me about graphic designing, so specifically for socials. Is there mm-hmm. a specific skill or do you have to be really, really creative or is it something that you can learn and that's being mm-hmm. taught in school? Hmm. Okay, so that's like, I feel like this is something that's been talked about a lot, the talent versus skill, mm-hmm. if it's something that's innate yeah. or if it's something that you have to learn. Yeah. So the thing with design, um, as they say, it's not art. Art is more self-expression and mm-hmm. it requires talent and also a lot of hard work. Right. As for design, um, it's more of, uh, I guess it serves a purpose. So um, even if you're not very good at art, um, you can still learn to design. If that makes sense. It does. So like, yeah, so in design also, um, it's not, I guess there's some, um, a measure of, a measure of self-expression in it, but like at the end of the day, you're designing for someone else, you know, not for yourself, but in my case, I'm designing for texture. So there's this thing we call branding um, mm-hmm. that we have to learn. Right. And um, yeah, you have to make sure that everything that you design feels like etcher. Makes you sense. Um, mm-hmm. It has a, the same tone. Like there's this thing called brand voice, brand tone, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope I'm making sense. <laughs> I think for someone who probably is new to designing, especially for when you talk about branding, brand tone. Mm-hmm. And that those are really yeah. key important, you know, factors in order for you to create a design. And you're absolutely right. So while it's self-expression, but if you are designing for someone, so there is a purpose as to why you are designing it, whether to persuade to inform. So those are really good information that you shared, um, Kim. Yeah. Especially for someone who was, what is a content officer? Do you just create content and upload it, or was there like a, a process behind it? And what you just said is is. It's more than just creating something, designing it, but it has to have a purpose. It has to be aligned 
with the brand. Yeah, for sure. And also, like one thing that they always mention in school is that um, designing is problem solving. Hmm. So, like as I mentioned a while ago, I worked with a marketing officer. So every everything that we put out, there's like a bit of um, you have to research about that. Mm-hmm. We also do our own research. Like it. Um, how do I put it? It's like when you design, everything that you do, the layout, the text that you use, the colors, you have to think about what you put in your design to make it effective because mm-hmm. what you want is to effectively send out a message. I see. Yeah. So you always think about, okay, um, if I'm... If I'm the audience, how am I gonna how am I gonna read this? Is this legible? Is this gonna stand out? Stuff yeah. like that. Like there's a lot of thought put into it, even though it's just a bunch of text that's been yeah. laid out on an image. Um, that's something that we have to think about. If that it's, makes sense. It does. And it's it's really interesting when you when you put it like that, when mm-hmm. every text, the colors, the font, the size. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. matter depending on what type of message you were trying to convey. So yeah. there's a lot yeah. of things that you put into uh, creating a design. Mm-hmm. How much time normally will it take you to, let's say, create a, a poster to be mm-hmm. uploaded on socials, let's say for a class? Normally, how long will that take? Um, that depends. Um, if it's a poster that I've already done before, but already has the template then for sure mm. it's shorter yeah but if it's a new poster and um you have to like build a new concept um also you have to research on what design would be good for this kind of poster and stuff then probably more, more than an hour it, it depends really it depends, it depends. But, but yeah. it takes some time it will take some time depending yeah. on okay yeah even for some like sometimes i would um, take a lot of time just looking into inspiration and um, looking at mood boards and stuff like that. Even though it seems like it's so easy and it's, um, after you give the results, it seems to look very simple, but you know, there's a lot of effort in there. It's a lot in. of thought. Yeah. 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 Now, and when you talk about socials, every platform, right? But they will always say that content is king. And that's the mm-hmm. only thing that you can leverage because there's it's like a conversation that you're having with, with your audience through the post, yeah. through yeah. the graphics. So like what you said earlier, it really depends on what purpose you're tr- or what message you're trying to convey. And if you're able mm-hmm. to achieve it, then yes, that's success for the design of the yeah. uh, the <laughs> Okay. What, what would you say mm-hmm. is, because you mentioned that there are different processes and thought process behind steps that you need to do in order to create a layout or a design for for a poster or for a, an announcement or a, a social media post mm-hmm. which of those steps would or uh, i guess the question is what do you like most what's the let's say your favorite part of your job mm-hmm. as a content officer okay so uh i guess my favorite part is that i um i get to try new things because mm. my my marketing officer is actually open to ideas, so oh okay. Is, thank you, Patricia, because um, <laughs> she likes it when I 
she likes it when I try out new things. So um, sometimes um, I guess the limitation when you're following a brand is that you get trapped into this design yeah. style. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you can tweak that, especially when you're marketing new things and you, you'd want to grab attention, right? So yeah, I think that's probably why my marketing officer is a bit more open when it comes to that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess Patricia is great. Yeah, <laughs> yay Patricia. So um, what well, one thing though, like I guess for our audience to relate to what I'm talking about, it's like composition. Hmm. Yeah, when you're painting, of course you have to always think about where you put your subject, what kinds of colors you use, what works best. So it's the same with design. Except, I guess with design, it's a bit more yeah, there's problem solving than rather than self-expression. I love the analogy. Yeah, I love the analogy. You're absolutely right about composition. So it's it's pretty much the same. You're you're designing a a poster or or any, yeah, content for social media. It involves like composition, where you put the text. If there are Mm. any elements that you need to put into the poster, then you need to add those. And when you're painting, I'm sure for listeners who are into watercolor or acrylic or gouache, you put in those elements onto the paper. You decide what, where exactly they will be in in, in that space. Wow, mm-hmm. that's a really good analogy, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing what, about what you do. I mean, as the, the more that I interview people from, from Esther, because I, I have an idea about what content creation what content creation is. Every day we make content, right? The podcast is, is content. But yeah, sure. hearing you talk about it from, from that perspective, that it, there's a, a lot of effort that's being put into research yeah. down to the yeah. smallest details. Yeah. <laughs> Make you understand that, you know, everything that we put out there that we see on social media, people really take the time. There's a person mm-hmm. behind um, each of the posts and it's not like a bot yeah. that's just upload something. So thank you for yeah. clarifying that or for shedding some light on what you do as a content officer. A, a lot of people mm-hmm. think that, you know, sometimes just a post, you can just upload it and that's it. But yeah. But with, here at Etra, we are very mindful of what we put out there, especially for, for our audience and for our students. So mm-hmm. thank you, Kim. Definitely. And welcome to Etra. I know it's only been a month, but um, thank you for what you do. And look forward to seeing more of your works, um, the marketing team, you partnership, partnering with Patricia. And yeah, thank you for being on Make More Art. It was a lovely chat. Thanks for having me. And <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I hope I did talk much no uh, you did it it was it was a good conversation and i learned a lot from content creation perspective so oh, thank you thank you kim yeah. thank all right you. I'll, I'll i'll see you in any of our conference calls and i'll talk to you soon thanks kim yeah. thanks jesse thanks for having me bye we would love to hear your thoughts so please drop us a five-star review on the apple podcast or you can find us on youtube at after studio And, oh, hitting the subscribe button is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you again next time. Until then, let's make more art.